Welcome to the Lord's Podcast with Will Rowe. Well, a very warm welcome to this month's Lord's Podcast. Joining me today, we have the ECB's Director of Women's Cricket, Claire Connor. Welcome, Claire. Hi, Will. How are you doing? You all right? Very well, thanks. Great stuff. And joining Claire, we have the editor of All Out Cricket magazine, Phil Walker. Phil, how are you? Yeah, very well, Will. Thanks. Good stuff. On the podcast today, we'll be discussing the men and women's World T20 tournaments in India, decide if the new structure for domestic cricket in England is the right way to go, and ask whether Ian Bell, who plays for MCC next week, can get back into the England team. As well as all this, my guests will take on the new Lords podcast history quiz and we'll field your questions for Claire from Twitter. Uh, but first, you two have got a connection, haven't you? Climbing a mountain together. Yeah, we did. Maybe, what, a year and a half ago now? Yep, September, yeah. September 14. Yeah, so we climbed Kilimanjaro. I turned up at the Oval to wish Claire good luck for the official launch of the trip. Um, and then two beers down the line, I was joining her on it. Uh, and so a few months later, that's, that's where we found ourselves, at the, the tip of... Well, the, the, the roof, roof of, of Africa, Africa yeah, setting yeah. a um, setting a new world record for the highest game of cricket ever played. Mm. That was it. it a was game a... that I might have got man of the match in, but, but <laughs> we don't like <laughs> to go. We don't like to. Was there that. any recorded evidence of the game? Oh, very much so. Yeah, plenty. Yeah, yeah. I was just, that he just check right. out all the. He played really well, networks. actually. Yeah, he played really well. And then we all collapsed afterwards uh, due to no breath left in our bodies. Um, yeah, sensational week. Probably the finest week of my life. Claire? Yeah, certainly. I think an amazing experience. Something yeah. I never ever thought I'd. Do um, and really, really powerful, a real amazing, amazing experience. Great stuff. Right now, we're not well, we're a few days into the ICC World T20 tournament in India. So far, the associate teams have created some great entertainment. The build up to the tournament could have been slightly smoother, but we're there now. We've been playing. Um, you've been watching, guys? Yeah, um, it's been on in the office. Um, I have to say, I haven't been studying it ball for ball, um, but. I've caught the, the moments that jump out at you and, and uh, for all the kind of inferred arrogance of the ICC to say, right, this is, this is part one, you know, where, yeah. the, where the little people play before the big boys come along. For all that inferred arrogance, there has been still some beautiful moments and some moments of real class. Um, some, of the, some of the fielding's been phenomenal. Uh, there's been a number of top class one-handed one catches. The Afghans played beautifully on day one as well. Um, the opener, Shazad, is, is hilarious and, and great to watch. <laughs> and, and, and in amongst it all, there's, there's been some talent. Uh, Scotland will be, will be disappointed, of course. Um, again, you know, they look like in the last couple of years, they were building something quite nice there. So they'll be, they'll be particularly disappointed. Uh, but overall, it's been good, especially Zimbabwe. They're great to watch. Yeah, they are, absolutely. And how do we assess England's chances? Men? men. England men first. We'll start with men. Yeah, we'll I think, well, listen, if, you, if you'd asked a year ago, um, I think it was a year ago on Wednesday when, when the men obviously made an early exit out of the 50-over World Cup when they lost to Bangladesh, if you'd asked then what would their chances be in a global white ball event a year later... Um, I don't think anybody would probably have given them a, a, a prayer. I think actually the, the progress in the last year in white ball cricket has been immense. Um, there's some unbelievable talent um, waiting to explode, some of which we've seen already from, uh, you know, in a, in a test match on a Sunday morning in Cape Town, we've seen it explode. So, you know, I don't think there are any limits to what some of the young players um, like Stokes um, ca can achieve and I, I think we would be I think they've got a chance yeah. really really good chance yeah um, I, I tend to agree with with Claire I, I would say that England probably starts say third or fourth favourites I think India are obviously the clear favourites Sri Lanka for me are good dark horses even without the big two now 
And the thing with England, it's just nice and refreshing to actually go into a, uh, a one-day tournament and not be embarrassed by your own team and actually mm. to think, right, well, we're doing the right version of cricket here. We are approaching it from the right angle. For decades, we were, we were a, a very maligned um, British sports team in one-day cricket. You know, we, we had the five-day game that we were competitive in and often great in, but when, when the pyjamas came out, we were, in a, we were often an embarrassment, you know, and, and we were playing a game that was, that was dated, anachronistic, and so it's nice now, in a very short space of time, as Claire said, I mean, it was only a year ago that, you know, we were stinking the place out in Australia, so it's great now that we've got to a point where um, it's a coherent approach, uh, we have the right players in the right positions, we have the right coaches in the right positions as well, and it's all congealing nicely uh, for England, whether... On the day, they're going to be able to nick Coley off and not, and you know, and prevent him getting eighty odd not out and winning a semi final. Is that will be on the day? This is twenty over cricket, but it's just nice to be going in there thinking we have a once maligned team now properly in order. And you mentioned India there; they're the favourites for this tournament. Yeah, in India. Yeah. Um, do you two, who do you see being in the final there? Who do you, who do you think will win it? Well, I think India will win it. You think they're, they're the winners? Yeah, I think it's I think hard so. to see past that. Although when you watch that. 10 or 12 over burst for that the last T20 England played in South Africa mm-hmm. um, at Cape Town or the Wanderers at it the was Wanderers Cape Town, Cape Town I think yeah the one where uh, with uh, De Villiers and Amla yeah. just complementing each other beautifully and, yeah. and and hitting 100 off eight overs or whatever if, yeah. if, if something like that happens then yeah um, they're, they're, a few things have to click don't they but I'm kind of with you there I, th- I think they're good dark horses especially with Tahir who's a brilliant one day bowler yeah. and especially a brilliant 20 over bowler um, and 20 over cricket more than any other cricket it is about two or three individuals really um, you know Gail um, Mr Marmite you know <laughs> he, he can win you three games in a row yeah. uh, Coley can do the same De Villiers can obviously do the same and De Villiers has been he's kind of been slightly in and out of the last last six months to 12 but but if he clicks then he's unstoppable and, so, and the beauty so of this format this. is not only it, it creates unbelievable superstars and heroes doesn't it but in really quick bursts mm. so you can have 15 minutes you know that will redefine yeah. the tournament yeah. or and if you think 2010 Pakistan won it out of nowhere um 20 what would it be 13 14 uh so 2012, 2012 the, the in West Indies yeah the West Indies yeah. won it having been a shambles up to then and Marlon Samuels played that great knock in the final it does you know Holland beat England regularly, so it does throw up these kinds of games, you know. It is wide open. Um, I just just wish it had been a more inclusive tournament from the start, you know. There's one team that's name has never been on that trophy, and that's Australia. Are mm. they not due a, due a chance? Yeah, they'll probably win it. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> just haven't mentioned Australia. <laughs> We'd rather talk about all the exciting dark horses yeah, and the, the magic the that might... The we don't yeah, mind winning. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, it's at this point I'd like to introduce our first question from Twitter for you, Claire. It's under the hashtag AskConnor. I'd like to thank everyone that tweeted in with these questions. It's from Abhishek Shewat. He says, on current performances, which two teams are favourite to reach the women's final? Of course, the women are out there also playing in yep. the T20 World Cup. Yeah, and of course, the, we'll see both tournaments come together at semi-final stage with double headers um, for the two semi-finals dates and the finals. So that's uh, that's been fantastic, that innovation for the women's game in terms of profile. Who do I think? Well, I think I said in another interview recently that I think it's the first... The first global event on the the eve of which it's unbelievably unpredictable, I think. I think we've seen some remarkable performances in the last 12 months from the likes of India, uh, from South Africa, from New Zealand, 
um, and we've put in some good performances as well. So I think for the first time, um, there are more than a couple of teams who could win it, which is brilliant. I think it says loads about the depth um, for the women's game in terms so, of... So the, the gap is diminishing. The gap is diminishing the on a six-monthly basis. Yeah. yeah, and it's brilliant to see. Obviously, it's with my... last month against South Africa. Yeah. Who you know, were a stronger-looking stronger side, you know. Yeah, how, they only how. made their first global event semi-final in 2014 in Bangladesh at the last tournament. Yeah. Uh, and they could, they could easily make a final. New Zealand could make a final. England, Australia, West Indies, India. There's probably only... Probably be proved wrong, but there's probably only one or two teams that you'd really be shocked to see in the final now, which is great. So um, you've got to go for England, surely. Yeah, so England will be in the final, and they will be probably playing Australia. But I think the semi-final stage could be much more unpredictable. Would you be disappointed if England didn't make a final? Incredibly disappointed. Yeah, we ha- we have to keep we have to ha- keep having those ma- major major finals in our sights and and and, and aiming to be in them. Um, you know, everyone is catching up quickly um, from what probably only eighteen months ago you would have said was a, um, a a game dominated by England and Australia. But I think everybody else, with the introduction of the women's championship, which is the fifty over. Um, competition that uh, leads to World Cup qualification for 20, the 50 over World Cup qualification for next year that that in that the introduction of that has seen um, some fantastic cricket being played as teams are playing more often under more pressure against the best teams if you if you want a name um, an England player to watch she's been around the side for a couple of years but Amy Jones has not quite nailed it really at international level I've seen her play I've also bowled unsuccessfully to her in the nets um, uh, she's she's definitely one to watch. I think she'll certainly be batting in the top four, and and, and she's she's a proper good cricketer. So aside from the obvious big names in the England side, um, we profiled Amy in the, this month's magazine, All Out Cricket magazine. Uh, there's the plug, uh, and various, various others as well. Um, but, but Amy's Amy's the one that we've picked out from the England side. And Would George, you go with that, Claire? Yeah, start? I mean, there's there's a there's a couple of players. I think a bit like we've just said with the men's game, these kind of explosive players who could, if they if Amy comes off. And by come off, I mean she she can she can she can hit seventy and thirty or forty balls and yeah. and and just take a game away in the space of ten overs. So moving it down the next five ten years for the women's game, this is the the great question, right? This is the the challenge to Have you taken over. Is it sorry, now sorry, so, yeah, just well, you just, you, I'll make a few notes. While yeah, you right. go. Yes, <laughs> it gets me going because it's such an interesting story, and that's that's the big challenge for 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 our girls, right? To be able to consistently clear boundaries to. To, to get to a level where Australia are. You know, Australia's girls hit the ball further than English, English girls at the moment. Is that a fair comment? Uh, yeah. and, and is that where we're looking to, to move it along? 100%, yeah. yeah. And, that, and we saw some brilliant signs of that development in South Africa during, yeah. during January and February. Um, and it's, it's, it's definitely the next uh, stage um, in terms of strength and power and athleticism. Uh, and you're right, I think in the last World T20 in Bangladesh, Australia hit about 26s. We didn't hit one. Mm. It isn't all about that. It's no, about sure. your overall boundary count often. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly it's an area that we're really working on. Good stuff. And currently the big change for the women's side is you've got a new head coach in, uh, Mark Robinson. Uh, in All Out Cricket magazine this month, George Elwis. She's talking about the change that he's had on the side, a more aggressive brand of cricket. We always hear people talking about brand. Yeah, we're not allowed to. He's he's banned that word actually. Brand. He said there's no place for the word brand in a cricket dressing room. So that says a lot about the guy. Well, your aggressive style, yeah, approach, (laughs) mindset, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, How have the girls found having Mark on board, and what change has he implemented? 
Yeah, I mean, they've embraced his style and the way he very clearly wants to go about things. They've embraced it. Um, he, he's only been in the role for a few months. And, you know, when we went to South Africa, he only met half of the girls when they arrived in uh, Pretoria because half of them had been in the, in the Big Bash. So um, they're changing times. I think we'll see, I hope, obviously, in, in my role, I hope we'll see some immediate um, uh, immediate response and some immediate uh, uh, change in terms of how the team play. They seem to be embracing everything that he's bringing in. You know, he's talking a lot to them about his experience, you know, it's obviously years of experiences in professional men's dressing rooms. And, and he's talking a lot about the culture of that um, and the accountability, but also the, 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 the magic of it. So yeah. he's trying to manage and he, he's trying to manage the kind of the the excitement and the magic of being professional cricketers with the fact that with there will be more judgment and more accountability and more scrutiny and that will lead to you know some some discomfort but that we have to embrace that and play in a way that we all believe in yeah. uh, the, that the players believe in and that will ultimately make the journey and the every time they pull on that England shirt it will make it more fun and more enjoyable and just to finish off talking about the current women's side um, we've got another question for hashtag ask Connor it's quite a big one from Jen Barden. What's had the biggest impact on women's cricket over the last 10 years? Um, well, it was only 11 years ago that the women's game came under the auspices of the ICC. So I would say, and my last World Cup that I played in as a player was in 05 in South Africa. And then after that, the ICC took over um, the women's game. And I think what's what I've seen, and I've seen it at ECB as well, in terms of some of the ways we can build from much more of a blank canvas. The ICC have embraced the women's game. Um, we started, obviously, the doubleheader joint men's and women's yeah. World T20 events. They started in 2009. Um, investment into the women's game. Global, I mean, presumably, presumably this question is on a global level because yes. we're talking ICC World T20. So I would say it's it's around levels of investment. It's about the... It's about simple stuff like more you know high, better better high performance structures teams playing each other more often teams playing on a bigger stage numbers of broadcast matches that have come fallen out of that coverage media coverage um and, and, grassroots as well, and the right? i mean yeah i mean the knock-on effect that that has obviously at all you know all levels in terms of of it being a an, a sport that young girls are aspiring to play um on a more local level, I would say that one of the biggest things that the women's uh, that the women's game has seen through Chance to Shine has been this cultural kind of normalising of girls' cricket. That girls yeah. go to school now with just as much support and access to the game to pick up a bat for the first time, and that's really powerful. And what you see now is a girl can a girl a young girl can go to school and play cricket alongside boys aged seven or eight. Um, and then see it in a magazine, in All Out Cricket, and then go and watch it on TV. And the, and, you, and the circle is joined up now, whereas it definitely wasn't 10 years ago. So huge strides, lots of lovely, you know, brilliant moments that we can, yeah. you know, all look back on and say, yeah, it's been an amazing decade for women's cricket. I think it'll be great when you have a generation of women's cricketers coming through whose heroes were Sarah Taylor, Charlotte Edwards, whereas the current crop of women's cricket, all their heroes were men's cricketers, because obviously yeah. growing up, that's what they watched. Mm -hmm. Right, so it was announced this week that there will be a reshuffle to the domestic game in England beginning next year for the 2017 season. <coughs> the county championship will be reduced to 14 rounds of games with the Division 1 cut to 8 teams and Division 2 increased to 10. 
This season, only one side will be promoted and two will be relegated. The NatWest 2020 Blast competition will now take place in two blocks during the summer holidays, while the Royal London 50 over competition will see the group stages in April and May with a Lords final in July. So plenty to digest there. Are we happy with these proposals, Phil? Uh, <laughs> it, it's 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 our latest uh, county revamp, isn't it? You yeah. know, we do it every couple of years, uh, which I always struggle with a little bit because it, it kind of sends out a certain message that we don't trust our own product, you know, and that that doesn't sit that comfortably with me. I don't think there's an enormous amount wrong with it. Um, that said, I am I am happy enough with the proposals. I think it's a decent halfway house, uh, and the big change, obviously. Uh, is the championship being reduced to 14 rounds of games for the top eight rather yeah. than top nine. So that's a reduction of two games, which means eight days fewer per year, per summer, for uh, cricketers who are tired, put upon, burnt out, shattered, sometimes, let's be honest, a little bit under-motivated under as well when they're hitting the M1 yet again to go from Derby down to Somerset and back and so on. I've seen some, some games, I work at the Oval, and I've seen some games in Division 2 of, of the County Championship over the last two or three years that have, uh, that have underwhelmed, and not due to uh, the state of the game, but, be, but due to the, the tiredness of the players. Um, uh, overall, I think, I think we have to reduce the amount of cricket that's played by, the top, by our top cricketers. And it sits slightly uneasily with me that... It, it, creates even more of a two-tiered system between Div 1 and Div 2. Yeah, I was going to say, would, is it not going to create an even bigger gap between the top side, uh, top sides and the bottom sides in Div 2? Yeah, I, I think there's a, a distinct possibility of that, but I think we have to get real, really. Um, yeah. We have 18 counties, and, if, and the truth is, if we were starting from scratch, we wouldn't have 18 counties. We wouldn't have a workforce of 450 professional cricketers. If, if we're being absolutely honest, that's where we would, we would address first, of up, first up. What we do have is the, is the need for our top, top level players. And Division 1 cricket is good quality cricket now. You know, it's the equivalent of the state system out in Australia. We need to focus uh, that talent and we need to preserve that talent as well. So personally, I'm comfortable enough with that. Um, the, the other big change, of course, is the T20 competition. Now it's been moved into a block of six weeks through the six-week kids' holiday. Um, initially... I was quite reluctant to lose the Friday night uh, regular stuff because I kind of liked that. From a, from a selfish fan's point of view, I quite liked it. Um, but I've been won over and I think this, this has to happen. Um, and this is a precursor to the inevitable F word, the franchise word, which will kick in in 2019 once the new TV deal is, is thrashed out. So we're getting there. We, 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 we are getting there. And, and I, think, I, think this is, I think this is an improvement on, on our current state of affairs. Um, at the risk of just whinging on, sorry about this, Claire, but um, Matt Dwyer is, is a new employee at the ECB. He's yeah. the Director of Growth and Participation. Claire will know him. I've met him a few times. He's a, he's a seriously impressive bloke. And he came over from Cricket Australia. Yeah. He was one of a handful of people who overhauled the Australian system, putting the Big Bash League front and centre of a huge structural revamp of their cricket, uh, unashamedly targeting five-year-old kids and their mothers, and he says that, um, and bringing it in, in into a more inclusive system in, involving clubs at all levels, feeding into the state teams and then their franchise teams. Yeah. The thing that jumped out, sorry about this, but the thing that jumped out from Colin Graves' speech a few days ago, or announcement rather, 
trailing these. He said, cricket needs, needs more people playing, great teams and inspired fans in order to thrive. These principles support our plans now and for the future. There is an appetite for cricket and cricket is moving fast. We must not be left behind. Now, these, these words are echoing what Matt Dwyer has said since he's come over. And he's not, he's, Matt's not the only person who's been saying this in the ECB's corridors for quite a while. This is a necessary result of yeah. the penny having finally dropped, Claire. Am I correct? <laughs> Broadly? <laughs> okay. Uh, look, all that makes sense, complete sense. And yes, I you know, work closely with Matt um, around the growth strategy. And he's a breath of fresh air, Absolutely. Right? And he has seen huge change and he's seen Cricket Australia make a loss and have to fight through those first few years of the Big mm. Bash. Mm. And take um, a hit. And take a hit. And they, you know, they, they, they came up with their strategy. They believed in it. They pushed it. They drove it top to bottom, linking grassroots with Milo Cricket. Yeah. Uh, and linking the kids with the big bash teams, and they've yeah. had amazing results. So and so, our NatWest Blast, Nat West is, Blast is, is, is now aping the big bash in as much as it's it's now a concentrated some block. other days. Yeah. So it's obviously going for the kids, the family market. Yeah. Oh, currently, our NatWest Blast is quite a boozy Friday night affair. Will this, it, will this it give it a new uh, dimension? Hopefully, and it's necessary. Um, and and the players will agree with you as well. You know, you speak to certain Essex players, they say that Friday night games in Chelmsford. They might make good TV, but they're horrible to play in, you know. Yeah. And, and I work at the Oval. It's a good night out, but, you know, you're not attracting that new generation of, of fan, unfortunately. So, so I think these, these are positive things. And it's all of a piece. It's all absolutely integrated. It has to be, you know, from five-year-old kids to coaches at local clubs to what the county structure is like. It's all, all of a piece. And the domestic women's game is already at a franchise model with the new women's Wee. Super League. Claire, I'd like to speak to you about that. You must be extremely pleased. This yeah, really pleased. Um, you know, it's a, it's been an incredible um, adventure to get to this point. Um, we uh, started a review of the Women's County game during November 2014 to February 2015. Um, so the outputs of that review have led to um, the last year, which has been uh, getting to this point with the Super League. So we've got our 10, our 10 team, uh, sorry, our six teams, um, starting with a T20 event this summer in a block from the 30th of July um, through to the 16th of August, um, 14th of August, sorry, with finals day on the 21st of August. Uh, we'll then introduce the 50 over competition next year. Um, I'm delighted. We've had a brilliant process to get to our six. We had lots of interest um, from around the country, lots of bodies, including universities, cricket boards, first class clubs, private companies. Um, so it, 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 the driver for it is to bridge the gap between county cricket and international cricket. Um, so it's a real performance drive in terms of the competition, but with an absolute kind of thrust towards growing the game and making sure that we link with um, local participation plans, chance to shine uh, and join it all up from top to bottom. So really it's, exciting. It's a brilliant, brilliant scheme. We should all be thrilled that this is happening. And again, getting kids and families in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, 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 the logo and the marketing that sits behind it, um, the name of the competition will all be announced by the end of March. Um, and it'll be very clear, I think, from that and from everything we talk about that the, the connections between these players who currently play for England, those who aspire to play for England and the grassroots game, we're absolutely key to keep all that connected as we move into a more professional era for the women's game. The other great thing is that we'll, we're, we've attracted the world's best talent. So we had over 65 overseas players um, express an interest for only 18 places. 
Um, and we're just literally today and tomorrow, uh, sorry, today and Monday in the final throes of communicating with all those overseas boards and overseas players. So um, we will, it literally will be where the world's best play. So yeah. you look like you've got another quote ready. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm not even <laughs> sure if it's specifically relevant, but I can't resist saying it. The, the, the game is on, the challenge really is on. Going back to that Colin Graves quote, you know, yeah. cricket cannot be left behind. The ECB, and fair play to them, you know, it's a progressive organisation these days. And they say that they did some, some research recently um, and listen to these figures. Uh, when, when kids up and down the country were asked, what's your favourite sport? Less than 2% said cricket. Um, and that's, that's quite alarming. That is alarming. Um, the, fa- the infamous now 64,000 drop from 2013 to 2014 of active participants in the UK, uh, from 908,000 to 844,000, a drop of 64 in one year, uh, the alarm bells were ringing straight after that. So, so cricket, cricket is fighting for its soul in this country. There's no escaping that. And so all of these initiatives... People may at home may think, oh, okay, well, you know, you're just kind of just re- reordering the, the same old blocks. No, this is crucial stuff. And we are fighting a battle for, for the hearts and minds of kids as well as, as older folks as well. You know, it's absolutely critical. And to bring in another question from Twitter now for you, Claire. Um, this is from Liam Cromer. What steps could be taken to promote multi-day women's cricket nationally and internationally? So... I think if you look at the no, Ashes I mean, at the moment, there's the one test match. That's it, yeah. But I think the new format where you have... Um, it's Multi-format, a yeah. yeah. Which I believe I, you brought in. Yes, yeah. yeah, we brought that in in this uh, for the 2013 Ashes, uh, the multi-format uh, Ashes with points allocated to each format. And we brought that in to, again, as a, as a, as a, a means of re-energising and, mm. and a means of giving the Ashes even more context and even more... Um, excitement and suspense with a point system so that there's there's stuff on you know points riding on every game given that there wasn't an appetite to expand to a to more test matches so we had to do something um, keeping the test match at the heart of that ashes Um, what steps could be taken to promote uh, realistically we are not going to have multi-day domestic women's cricket Uh, that isn't going to happen we know where our without sounding like a marketeer or whatever, we know where the market is, we know what we've got to do to, you know, the Big Bash has proved it, the Women's Big Bash has started to prove it, we know how we're going to grow the game. However, it isn't all about that, we have got to um, have, you know, I always try and think, we've, you know, our jobs as administrators or, or whatever is to is to have, you know, one foot in the past, but one foot kind of st- st- sort of stepping out into the future and making sure that we've got an eye on the present as well. Um, I, I've said to Phil and I have had this debate and I know Phil's got views about women's test cricket. I wouldn't want to be part of an administration that saw the end mm. to women's test cricket. That said, it's hard to know what the place is for women's test cricket. And if I'm completely honest to Liam, who's asked the question, uh, I don't think we've cracked it. I suppose for me, what I'd love to see is the multi-format nature of bilateral cricket yeah. rolled out across all of our series. So it would be great every time we play another country to play three ODIs, a test and three T20s. That would be utopia for me. Bill, what do you reckon? Uh, I've got, got quite a few opinions on it, um, but I'll try and be brief. I was at the test match last August. Um, it was drizzly, cold. Um, we can't you control can't the weather. You can't blame the women for the weather. We, exactly, exactly <laughs> that. I was there as well. Exactly that, but, but it... it <laughs> It kind of afterwards there was a bit of a kind of a PR dent around. It felt like it hadn't quite gone 
gone as well as we were hoping for. Well, we had this conversation. I, I've seen some terrible cricket over in That's over my yeah. years, you know, some terrible, terrible cricket and some glorious cricket. And that applies just as much with men's cricket as it does with women's cricket. You can't guarantee a good game of cricket. You can't guarantee an advert for the game just because you put it on. Um, and because it's also, a one-off. I, I would yeah. also add... Um, uh, the girl Johansson, who, who made a hundred for Australia, that was a brilliant innings, right? But it got it got buried because on day two, our girls they stonewalled, you know, and they blocked out thirty odd maidens in a day, and suddenly it becomes this this kind of poor advert. We shouldn't be playing it. Well, I, I dispute that. Um, crucially, the girls as well absolutely desperately want to play the game. If if the appetite is there to play it, and I mean, you know, we're not ending the world by by saying right, you know, you can have a four day game once a summer. Um, I think the I think these these girls have earned the right to play this, and and I can absolutely understand what Claire's saying. No one would want to be seen to be taking a retrograde step and saying, okay, well, you know, we want parity, we want the girls going to be respected, but hold on, actually, you can only play in, in pajamas, you know, of an afternoon. You know, to me, that's a backward step, and 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 I I find it a little bit insulting, and I it's stuck in the craw for me in the the days after that that test match. I can understand the accountability question. I can understand that it's a serious sport now, and it needn't be patronised. Oh, well done, you're having a game of cricket. That's absolutely right. All that's gone. That said, I thought it was over overblown the response. Um, you know, and Mike Selby, the great Guardian writer, who's a very very much an advocate for women's cricket, but I thought the PC wrote was a little bit overblown. Um, and and I was it didn't really chime with what I what I felt or what I was seeing. You know, I think the girls have come far enough to to warrant a game of cricket over four or five days. And 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 Sky, Glory Beer, you know, put their money where their mouth is and and, and give it the respect it deserves. It's a good point. Um, we could discuss this all afternoon. I feel, but we're going to have to move on. So. Right, next week the start of the first class season gets underway in Abu Dhabi as MCC take on Yorkshire in the Champion County fixture. The match is the annual curtain raiser and MCC have England's Ian Bell Wee. captaining the side. It's the perfect opportunity for the new Warwickshire captain to get some early season runs after being dropped by England for the South Africa tour. I'll get straight into it. Have England forgotten about Ian Bell? Um, no, but they probably have moved on from him. Um, breaks my heart. I love Ian Bell and everything he stands for. Uh, but I fear his t his time as an England player is up. Um, there's so many other other interesting options as well. Uh, James Vince is is a player that that, that beguiles, you know, and and, and he he's got to be in the top two or three next cabs off the rank, as they say. Jason Roy is another one, you know, Rory Burns is in that squad, you know, I'm going to be banging the drum for him a lot this year, I think he's a fine young player, Mark Stoneman hasn't played, I think it would be um, unnecessary to go back to Belly, uh, and you know, I mean, his record in the last year of Test cricket doesn't deserve um, to be revisit revisited either, you know, so bless him, the most stylish player of his time, uh, lovely lad, uh, one of my all-time favourites to watch, he, the 199 he got here at Laws against South Africa is a Thing of rare beauty, he's not playing for England again, sadly. Not true, Claire. He's done. Uh, who knows? Never yeah, say never. Yeah, that's probably the, the better answer. <laughs> who, who knows? But um, I think probably the the style of play that we're seeing from England's top order now, you know, built around you know Alistair Cook and um, whether it's Nick Compton or whoever moving forward, I think some you know the the rest of that top order are. Uh, are a bit more kind of adventurous and a bit more um, faster scoring, perhaps. Um, who knows? Fair enough. And MCC are facing pretty strong Yorkshire side out there. I'd just like to mm -hmm. have a quick word on 
how strong this Yorkshire side is at the moment. It's two two titles on the bounce. Can they do the third? Yeah, probably, probably will. Bit of a dynasty uh, taking place up there now. A uh, brilliant system that they've got going, and it obviously it flows from a culture of cricket. Uh, it's obviously a huge county, the huge catchment area, but they've got the right people in place. Um, Gillespie holds it all together along with Moxon. Uh, they've got a captain that everybody adores. They've got uh, enough money somehow uh, to find, you know, to, to throw at, say, Kane Williamson, who's probably the best player in the world at the moment. And you might even have to face him and Joe Root in the middle order at some point if you're a county side. So they've also brought in David Willey as well. Um, he's a one-day cricketer primarily, but, you know, he will improve in four-day cricket. Uh, big signing for them. They'll, they'll probably win it almost certainly. There you go. Yorkshire, the new Man United of cricket. I don't think many Yorkshire fans would like that analogy. Um, but anyway, to finish off the Lord's podcast today, we're doing the history quiz. Right. Uh, this is quite simple. I'm going to give you a date. Okay. You're up against each other. And it's to do with Lord's, this wonderful cricket ground that we're at. And there's going to be three things that happened on this date. Only one of them is true. Oh. And there you go. I'm going to put that in the middle so you can have a little look. Right. I've got the answers here. I hope. If I've printed it off correctly. Um... Claire, you can go first. In 1848, was A, the tennis court built on the site of the current mound stand? B, did Prime Minister Lord John Russell score 24 for the gentleman and the gentleman B players fixture here? Or C, a printing tent was first erected on the ground and match cards sold? C's really boring. So (laughs) I'm going A or B. It's a complete guess and I'll go A. And I'll go B. So you're saying that Lord Russell scored 24. Yeah. You are both incorrect. <laughs> so, so they're really boring. Boring answer. I think a printing fine. tent was first but, erected. You know, match cards were sold. Okay, so you two right. nil-nil after a one. Nil-point. Yeah. Digging in. Phil, you go first on this one. Okay. In 1923, what happened here? Were the WG Grace Memorial Gates erected in St. John's Wood Road? Or, B, was the second grandstand built and Father Time, the weather vane, presented by architect Sir Herbert Baker. So basically, the grandstand was built and Father Time was built on yep. top of it. Or <laughs> C, did Jack Hobbs and Herbert Sutcliffe put on 268 for the first wicket against South Africa at Lords? Phil, you go. Looking out on the great ground, I want it to be C. I want Hobbs and Sutcliffe to have batted all day, so I'm going to say C. I'm going to go Grace, A. And we're off. Claire, one yes. point to you, oh. one nil. It was indeed. There you go, CC. Well played. It was in 1924, well just a year later, that Hobbs and Sutcliffe put on 268. Okay. South Africa. Okay. So you were close. I should know that. But got I first dibs on the next one, haven't I? Here we go. Well. First dibs on the next one. This, is a, this has got a real female feel to it. So in 2007, Claire, did A, MCC Young Cricketers programme include female cricketers for the first time? B, did England women's captain Charlotte Edwards ring the five-minute bell for the England v India test? Or was it C, a performance of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet was performed at this ground? Uh, it's A, MCC Young Cricketers includes female cricketers for the first time, I think. Um, I thought it was that one as well. I thought it was A, but it's pointless me saying that because I'm already one down. You're one down. So um, I'm going to go with the star-crossed lovers. What do you reckon, Claire? I'm going to go with C. You're going for a Romeo performance and Juliet. of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet is performed at Lords. Mm. Well played, Phil. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> it was indeed. Right. Let's, let's, let's call it an amicable draw. There you oh. go. The MCC Young Cricketers Programme started in 2003. 
Ooh. Well, there you go. Oh, that's great. So, well, one, one all. A, a well, nice fair, goal to fair. finish the podcast. And, uh, yeah, coming up over the next few weeks, Claire, what have you got on? Busy, I imagine. Um, yes, well, well I'll be... meeting in two minutes. Got a meeting in two <laughs> minutes up the high street. Um, yeah, so Super League. It's just Super League stuff at the moment. Um, and also, obviously, keeping a close eye on the team's performances over in India. Uh, our academy are over in Sri Lanka playing in a tri-series against Australia A and Sri Lanka A. Uh, and I might go out for a few days of that. Um, so I uh, might try and break up the next couple of months with five or six days in Colombo. Don't blame you. As you do. And Phil? Uh, just just nose to the grindstone, mate. Oh, you know, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the season, actually. It's around this time. Uh, it's felt like spring for the first time today, walking up, up the road uh, to the great ground, and I'm looking forward to the season. So next few weeks, we'll just be gearing up. I'm having a net. I'm batting quite nicely, actually. Um, so yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking for some runs this year <laughs> after the horrors of last year. Kilimanjaro man of the match. Yeah, this is it. Ah, there we go. Well, it's been a real pleasure to have you both on. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks, Will. And many thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter. Our handle's at Homer Cricket. Be our friend on Facebook. And for all the latest news from Lords, just go to lords.org. See you soon.